This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. We see men and women. We see slaves and masters. We see aristocrats and those who are of common background. All of them now have an eternal place in the kingdom of God and in the declaration of the gospel. For 2,000 years now, we've had these writings with these people's names, again, of the impact that they've had of the church and in Paul's life, and now the impact that they're having for the furtherance of the gospel. There's names listed, I believe, on that wall of fame. No matter where you come from, no matter what sins you've committed in the past, the Lord has an amazing plan for you that He wants you to complete. Pastor David is teaching through the list of names that have been honored by Paul in this last chapter of Romans. These faithful men and women have come from all different regions and all different castes of society, yet God used them all greatly. What are you currently doing for the furtherance of the kingdom of God? Finish your race well. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 16, verse 2, with our continuing study entitled, Wall of Fame, Wall of Shame. Well, in verse 2, Paul continues to honor her and her ministry. Uh, She's said to be the helper of many and of myself also. And the word that Paul uses here is translated as helper. Again, speaks more than just as a laborer. It speaks of someone who is influential in a lot of aspects. Bible commentary, Lytle and Scott states this about the word that he uses. That it is one who is a leader or a ruler a front-ranked person, one who exercises authority. Elsewhere, Paul speaks about those who are co-laborers in the gospel, and he uses a different word. But here he uses that word that, again, puts much more of an, uh, uh, an inference and an understanding that Phoebe seemed to have some great influence on the church and in Paul's life also. And to her care, he places the letter to the churches of Rome. In verse 3, we read, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Priscilla and Aquila, a husband and wife team that we find out first of all in the book of Acts chapter 18, where Paul gets to know them. They were tent makers by trade. Paul also having that same trade joined together with Aquila and Priscilla, even lived with them for a while. And together they shared and ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aquila and Priscilla had come, though living at first in Rome, they had moved to Corinth during, again, the persecution of Claudius. While they were in Corinth, ministering the gospel, understanding even deeper the gospel through the teachings of Paul. After Claudius died, they found their way back to Rome now living in Rome, Paul writes to greet them, longtime friends, co-laborers together in Christ. And he also speaks to them to greet the house church that is, or the church that meets in their house. This is just one of several inferences that we see in this passage of Scripture of the house churches. House churches during that time were almost a necessity because of the persecution against Christians was so intense and they weren't able to get a large facility or place to meet. They often would meet in multiple house churches throughout the city. And Aquila and Priscilla had one of those house churches there at their home. 
right now today, you can go to China and you can say to anyone, I want to go to church this Sunday. And they can take you to a church and there'll be a multitude of people there and it'll be wide open and able for you to go in. But you're not going to really hear a strong gospel message. You're going to hear a state approved message. If you really want to go to church in China, they'll take you in the middle of the night, traveling down dark alleys, back streets, just one or two people gathering together, going crisscross around town, not in a direct pattern, always looking over their shoulder to see who's following behind them until finally they sneak into a building, raise up maybe two or three or four or five floors until they enter into a room. And in that room that's probably the quarter of the size of this auditorium, they might have 60, 70, 80 Christians crammed into there hungry for the word of God because of the greatness of the persecution. They, they have to meet in a clandestine manner so that, again, the authorities won't imprison those who are preaching and those that are receiving the gospel message. Similar to what was going on in Rome during that day, and that's why house churches were everywhere. We don't understand the greatness of the freedoms that we have in Christ right now. Now, back in Rome, they are hosting a house church in their own home. Also in verse 5, Paul says, Greet my beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Epinetus, probably the first convert to Christianity through Paul's ministry in that area. And now he's over in Rome. And Paul calls him my well-beloved. We don't know a whole lot about this man. Verse 6, he says, Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet to you. The same word could be called embrace Mary, who worked hard for us. This isn't any of the Marys that we know within the Gospels. It's not Mary Magdalene, definitely not uh, Mary, the mother of James and John, definitely not uh, Mary, uh, the, the mother of Jesus. This is another Mary that's over there and says that she has labored or worked hard for us. And the very word that he uses there in speaking of working hard speaks of one who labors to the point of weariness or fatigue. She was so in love with Jesus so in love with his people that she was continually serving the Lord through serving his church. And how we need that heart in the church today. People who love the Lord and love his people so much that they get out of their comfort zones and they serve the Lord in serving his church. Too many times in the church today, people come into church and just say, what do you have for me? What's in it for me? What am I going to receive? Without understanding that the best thing that we can receive as believers is through giving to others and through serving, we receive a much greater reward in our life for eternity, but also a much richer reward even now as we serve others. Mary was one who served the Lord even to the point of weariness and fatigue. In verse 7, he speaks about greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Andronicus and Junia, by most accounts, again, probably a husband and wife team who serve the Lord together. I tell you what, I am so blessed to have a wife who loves the Lord, who loves his church, who loves the people of the Lord, because I guarantee you I would not be as far as I am now had my wife not been the one standing beside me all the way. She's my co-laborer together in Christ. And though I'm the one that stands up front all the time, believe me, she does a whole lot more of the background work than you can imagine. And what a blessing it is to serve the Lord together. And I look at Andronicus and Junia, and Paul calls him my kinsman. Well, this is probably 
dealing from the fact that though they have Greek names, they probably have Jewish blood in them. I don't believe that it's because they are family members. My version in the New King James says that it's my countrymen. Other versions say kinsmen. It is the idea that they are related because they are probably of Jewish background. Very possibly, they too had been imprisoned for their faith in Jesus Christ and their commitment to share the gospel. And Paul calls or speaks of them as being of note among the apostles. Now, that can be looked at in one of two ways. One way, and the way that many people look at it is, is that the apostles knew who Andronicus and Junia were, and they recognized the hard work and the labor, and they said, oh yeah, we know them. They are good people, and they are doing, and they are serving the Lord. Therefore, they are of note among the apostles. But I believe a more accurate way to bring it into the context of what Paul is speaking and to take into balance all of Scripture, I believe that they themselves had the calling of apostle on their lives. Not in the office of apostle, as the twelve were, but in the ministry of apostle that is given. And the definition of the word apostle is simply one that is sent out. And I believe that Andronicus and Junia were sent out by the church for the ministry of the gospel. And they are of note among those who have been sent out. They are what we call today missionaries. They had been sent out to serve the Lord. And the ministry that they were doing, man, it was noteworthy. It was powerful what they were doing. And the results of their ministry were well known. That's why they were noteworthy among the apostles. In verse 8, we read, Greet Amplius. My beloved in the Lord. Again, it's a very dear greeting to one that we don't know anything about. And yet Paul knows him, and apparently the church of Rome knows him. In verse 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachius, my beloved. It's interesting, these two men listed right at the same time. But yet I believe that we can look critically at a real difference there. Urbanus, my co-laborer in Christ. Urbanus was a very, very common name in the uh, servant or the uh, lower class people. Urbanus was a name of a, a lower class individual. But Strachius is the name, a Greek name, speaking of high importance. And in that culture, those that were high and influential, those families that had, again, much wealth or influence in the community, there were certain names that they would name their children to, again, to speak of their influence and their place. They wouldn't just name their child Billy Bob. You know, uh, Billy Bob, no, that's for the lower class. Well, Urbanus is kind of like that kind of name. And if your name is Billy Bob today, don't take any offense. I'm talking about that culture, okay? I can get myself in so much trouble so quick. Let's move on. Verse 10. Greet Apollos, approved in Christ. And again, Apollos, we, we don't know a whole lot about him, but it's interesting that Paul says that he is approved in Christ. And that word approved means that he is tested and proved or found faithful. It's interesting. Why would he say that about Apollos? I kind of wonder, and it's a great speculation on my part, but I'm wondering if maybe he's one of those kind of guys that had a real shady past and yet came to Christ and the church was kind of leery to receive such a one because of the shadiness of his past. Can he really be born again? Can his life really change? Yes, he's been approved by Christ. He's been tested and found faithful. 
And some of you here this morning, maybe you've had a shady past, and maybe when you came to Christ, you weren't really well received at first. You had to be tested. You had to be tried and shown and proved faithful to the Lord. Paul knew exactly what that was about because the church didn't receive Paul at first. He had to be tested and tried. But Paul says, you know what? Don't forget, Apollaeus, he is approved by Christ. So you know what? You guys need to approve him also. You need to receive this brother into your fellowship. In the same verse, verse 10, he says, Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Aristobulus, again, commentators say is very likely the grandson of Herod the Great. Apparently there were members of his household that were believers. It's interesting that um, whether it be family members or servants, the greeting is to those who are of the household of Aristobulus, but not to Aristobulus himself. So I wonder if Aristopolis, in, again, the influence and the stature that he had in the community, was not a believer, never received Christ, but yet he had family members or servants who were believers, who were serving the Lord. He's not the only one. We'll see another one here in just a moment. Verse 11, greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of narcissists, who are in the Lord. Herodian. Again, either a relative or a fellow countryman, a citizen of Rome. And then he says, those are the household of narcissists. Again, probably servants or family members, but the greeting isn't to narcissist himself. In verse 12, we see where he says, greet Tryphenia and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Tryphenia and Tryphosis, most likely sisters and even probably twins. And it's interesting, their names mean dainty and delicate. And every time I read that, I, my brain goes two different ways. It's either two very diminutive women and little dainty and delicate, or it's two big bruiser women, and somehow they got the, the title dainty and delicate, and they grew up to be pretty good-sized women. I don't know, but Paul sends his greetings to them that they've also labored in the Lord. And then he says, greet the beloved uh, Perseus. And Perseus, again, a woman who loved the church as a whole and loved by the church. She, too, labored greatly for the Lord. Verse 13, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. And there's a lot we could say about Rufus, but one thing that, again, speculation. If you go back into the Gospels, you remember as Jesus was carrying his cross up the hill to Calvary, and he stumbled and he fell. And there was a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was forced to carry the cross of Jesus for the rest of the way up to Golgotha. Only in the Gospel of Mark does Mark bring out the fact that Simon had two sons, Alexander and Rufus. And much speculation, but there's a possibility that this very same Rufus, who is now in Rome, could have been the son of Simon who he and his brother perhaps came to the Lord even through that experience and now serving the Lord there in Rome. Verse 14, we read, Greet Asyncritus and Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologos and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. These two verses listing names of individuals Names of a husband and wife, Philologus and Julia, and then a brother and a sister, Nereus and his sister. But then just separate names and the brethren or the saints who are with them. I believe that these were probably either elders of separate house churches or they were pastors of differing house churches, each one. Five to, well, about uh, ten different house churches possibly listed there as Paul sending out his greetings. He may not know them. He doesn't send a whole lot of word about them, but he knows that they're there. He knows that they're ministering the gospel through those house churches. 
verse 16, it says, Greet one another with a holy kiss, and the churches of Christ greet you. Well, we read this idea of the holy kiss, both so in First Thessalonians, where Paul says, Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. In First Corinthians, it says, All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. In Second Corinthians, he says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. So next week when you come in, the ushers are instructed to greet each one of you with a holy kiss. So be prepared. No. You have to understand, also the culture and the times that they were in, understand too that the culture was that the men would kiss the men the women would kiss the women the greeting was that of love concern again that embracing that caring for you know a a good handshake is 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 well acceptable we are also a church that many times hugs and i have absolutely no problem with hugging if you have a problem with hugging just stick your hand out like that it's kind of hard to hug you with your hand right in front and another real quick instruction guys if you are hugging a woman the greatest and the easiest and the safest way to hug them is a good side hug it works out really well so again that greeting that working that blessing that honoring one another greeting each other with that holy kiss now verses 17 through 20 we're going to come back to in just a moment but let's skip over to verse 21 Paul says, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. Paul is saying here, these men are with me here in Corinth. And as I'm writing this letter, they want to send their greeting to you also. They want to let you know that they're praying for you. They're concerned about all of you and the church that is there in Rome. And then in verse 22, we read, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. And you might say, now wait a minute. I thought it was Paul that wrote this. Now you're telling me Tertius wrote it. Well, Tertius was the scribe for Paul. Paul would, again, speak out this message, and Tertius would be the one who would write it down. And then in verse 23, it says, Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church greets you. Uh, this Gaius apparently was where Paul was staying, my host, but he also had a house church within his home. And again, Lord working and moving through this man, and he sends his greeting to you. And then we have Erastus, the treasurer of the city. He greets you, and Quartus, a brother. Interesting, these two men that are joined together in Paul's writing. Erastus, who is the treasurer of the city, and Quartus, simply a brother. It's interesting, again, in the names, and the naming of people depending upon their class structure. Quartus simply means number four, very likely a slave. Very likely, that's, that's just the name he was given, probably born into a slave or a servant home, and Quartus was his name. Now, we joke a lot about Pat Wilson in our fellowship calling him number five. Well, Pat's not the servant. He's not a slave. Yeah, that story goes back way back. But uh, Quartus listed together with this one, Erastus, who is the treasurer of the city. Two men, both within the family of God, and yet what a difference in their lives their society, their structure, their standing. He ends it there in verse 24, saying that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, in this list, we see those that have been listed in that great hall of fame. We see men and women. We see slaves and masters. We see aristocrats and those who are of common background. All of them now have an eternal place in the kingdom of God and in the declaration of the gospel. For 2,000 years now, we've had these writings with these people's names, again, of the impact that they've had of the church and in Paul's life, and now the impact that they're having for the furtherance of the gospel. There's names listed, I believe, on that wall of fame. The impact that they had 
no matter what structure, no matter what level, whatever background or society that they have. The gospel knows no bounds. Well, I want to real quick go back and look at verses 17 and 20 because Paul now brings us and gives us a hint of the fact that there is a wall of shame. Paul says, I urge you, brother, note those who are caused divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. For those who are of such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And the great Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Paul is saying that it's not people on the outside that are going to be causing problems, but there are people that are within the church that are going to come in and cause division. These are the ones whose names are going to be on that wall of shame. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul speaks of two. Number one, he speaks of several. At the end of his run, at the end of his race, he says, I'm all alone. Demas, having loved this present world, has gone back into the world. Demas, who had gone on missionary journeys with Paul, whose name is listed both in the book of Acts as well as some of the letters of Paul, who had walked with the Lord, who had served Paul in these missionary journeys, there in 2 Timothy, Demas has left. He's gone back into the world. His, his name was moved from the wall of fame to the wall of shame. Also in 2 Timothy, Paul speaks of Alexander the coppersmith, who had done much harm. We read also of Alexander in 1 Timothy, one who I believe was a part of the church, who at least professed Jesus Christ, whether Jesus was truly his Savior or not. Paul says that Alexander the coppersmith has caused me much harm. Be on guard. Watch out for them. Now for 2,000 years, Alexander the coppersmith's name has been on that wall of shame because of the damage that he was doing to the church. Demas, who had started out on the wall of fame, now for 2,000 years his name is in the wall of shame. Where's your name going to end up? Let's quickly end Romans here as we look at the last couple of verses, verse 25 through 27. Paul says, Now to him who is able to establish you, According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. You know what? I don't know if you noticed it, but that's the answer for us right there. The answer is found in verse 25 where he says, Now to him who is able to establish you. Do you want to finish well? Do you want to know that your name is written in that hall of fame, that wall of fame that again is going to stand? It's him who is going to establish you. It's not your talents. It's not your ability. It's not even your own steadfastness and perseverance. But it's as you keep your heart and your mind focused on him that again, Jesus Christ empowering and strengthening you to be able to stand against every attack of the enemy, every distraction of the world, and every pull of the flesh, that if our hearts and our minds are stayed on him, we can be placed on that wall of fame to remain there. But that wall of fame is nothing compared to our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? One of the interesting things, you may be here today, 
you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first thing you need to know is that your name needs to be written in the Lamb's book of life. And that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Coming to recognize and know the greatness of your need for a Savior, the forgiveness of your sin, in order that you might enter into relationship with Jesus Christ forever. Now, if you are a believer here today, perhaps your name has been moved from the wall of fame and you feel, you know what, I'm pretty much in the wall of shame right now. And the things that I've done in my life, even as a believer, have pulled my name from being that that, again, would glorify and honor God to that thing that would, again, blaspheme God in the sight of others. My encouragement to you, as long as you have breath, you have opportunity to move your name from the wall of shame back to the wall of fame. You can still turn your life back to the Lord Jesus Christ in order that he might be honored in a greater way the ending of your days, even than he is right now. The great thing that I know that with my Savior, he continually gives hope. He continually pours out and opens up his love, his arms to receive all those that would come back to him. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Romans next time. It's been said that if a believer were to drop their Bible on the ground, it should fall open to the book of Romans. Why, you might ask? Because this book is packed full of doctrine that we truly need to grasp as believers in Jesus. Or maybe you're listening today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet. We encourage you to continue tuning in Monday through Friday as Pastor David shares insights from this book. Pastor David will be teaching through this book with hopes that all those tuning in each day here on The Open Word would either be saved or be encouraged in their salvation. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend or to follow the Open Word Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the Book of Romans. That's next time on The Open Word.